In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. So we know that this man was paralyzed for 38 years, for a very long time. And what was he waiting for during this whole period? What was he waiting for for these 38 years? It's obvious from this passage that he was at a certain place, right? He was at the pool of Bethesda, just waiting for someone to carry him to the water. That's all that he had on his mind. His problem was obvious. It was clear. He can't walk. And the solution was just as clear. I need to get into the water. Problem's obvious. Solution is obvious. Once I get into the water, I'll be fine. I need someone to help me to get into the water. And that's probably the first thought that he had on his mind whenever Christ walked along. As soon as he, th- he saw Christ, he must have thought, ah, maybe this is someone that could help me fix the problem the way that I'm expecting for this problem to be resolved. St. John Chrysostom says, When the Lord asked him, Do you want to be made well? He replied gently and with great mildness, Yes, Lord. Yet he knew not who it was that asked him, nor that he would heal him. Perhaps he hoped that Christ might be useful enough to him so as to put him into the water. You say, maybe this is someone that could be useful enough so as to just put me in the water. That was the first thought that he had on his mind. Because, again, the solution to his problem was obvious. I just need to get into the water. A lot of times we have problems in our life. We have struggles. We have difficult people that we can't deal with. We have managers that we can't tolerate. We have problems in our families. We have problems at work. We have certain projects that we can't afford to do and bills and finances are piling up. You name it, certain problems that are just piling up in our life. And then when we look at these problems, a lot of times the solution to them is just as obvious. Okay, this manager is driving me crazy. As soon as this manager goes, then my problem is solved. I have this project that I have to do and I can't afford it. As soon as I get a raise, then my problem is solved. As soon as this happens, then my problem is solved. So in a sense, we're saying, all I need is this. All I need is that. All I need to do is get all of these pieces in order. And so, that's what this man was saying. All I need is for someone to put me into the water. That's how I'm going to be healed. That's how my problem will be solved. And that's why he was just stationed there. He had his eyes fixed on one solution and one solution alone. For 38 years, just sitting by this pool. And that's why when Christ asked him, do you want to be made well? He said, well, I have no one to put me in the water. As you can see, that's the only way that I'll be made well. I need to get into the water. And so he was expecting that this would be the only way to heal. Now, his response was a humble response. It was a response of hope because he's admitting that he does need someone. And so that shows a lot of humility to acknowledge your need for help. And there's a lot of hope in this response because he didn't give up. He didn't quit. He was there day after day still trying. But I wonder if he really knew the creativity of God. I wonder if he really knew that God's ways are diverse. 
Christ healed him in a way that he did not expect. Probably the last possible way that he expected Christ to heal him. By just speaking to him. By giving him a command. Arise, take up your bed, and walk. And I'm sure as soon as he heard this, he's like, what do you mean? You're not going to put me in the water? <laughs> like, clearly we both know that the only way for me to heal is for me to get into the water. It's as if the water was not even on his mind. So if I have a different way for you. I have a different path for you. Forget what you've been expecting for all of these years. In Proverbs 16:9, the scriptures tell us, A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. How beautiful is that? A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. A lot of, a lot of times, we're planning our way. We're planning all the steps to the solution that we anticipate. And we say, I have to do this, I have to do that. I get everything in order, and that's how I'll solve my problem. And then God comes along and then actually directs your path in a completely different way. And He says, uh, we're going to go to plan B, or plan C, or a plan that you never even expected. And so, God's ways are dynamic, and, and it doesn't fit our logic. It doesn't fit our human rationale. We can solve our problems in a million different ways. And my message for you today is to really trust that. To trust the wisdom of God. To trust that God is not bound by our expectations. A lot of times we expect God to work in a specific way to solve our problems. Like in a way that makes sense to us. So we project those solutions as the only way for God to solve our problems. We say, God, you have to fit this plan that I have in mind. And that's what the paralytic man was thinking about. Like, you've got to help me get in the water. That's how I'm going to be saved. That's all that was on his mind. And the more we keep that limited thought as the only path, then we restrict God's work. And a lot of times, we don't even hear the instruction He's giving us. A lot of times, we don't even hear that He's directing us to a different way. Think of Moses, for example. Okay? He fell into this trap. Moses was told by God to use his staff for literally everything. Okay? When he went to Pharaoh, and he wanted to prove that he was sent by God. He said, use your staff, throw it on the ground, it's going to turn into a snake. And then, you know, the snake ate all the other snakes that the magicians made. And so his staff was almost like a part of him. When God wanted him to do something, it was with his staff. Whenever he caused all of the ten plagues, it was with the staff. Turning the water into blood with the staff. Bringing the frogs out of the water with the staff bringing all of the gnats to fill the land with the staff, everything with the staff. Whenever they crossed the Red Sea, it was with the staff. God tells him, use the staff, use the staff, use the staff. Okay, then comes one day when the people are complaining because they're thirsty. And of course, Moses goes to God, they're complaining, what do you want me to do? And of course, he's expecting to do what he's always done. Use what? Use the staff. God tells him something interesting. 
He says, take the rod and assemble the congregation, you and Aaron and your brother, and tell the rock before their eyes to yield its water. So you shall bring water out of the rock for them, so you shall give drink to the congregation and their cattle. Okay, so what is he telling them to do? Tell the rock before their eyes to yield its water. Speak to the rock. Okay, this is strange. This is strange. This is new to Moses. Before, when he wanted to bring water out of the rock, what did he do? He used the staff. I'm not just making this up. Okay, let's go a little bit before that. In Exodus 17, 5 and 6, God tells him, Take in your hand the rod with which you struck the Nile and go. Okay, the rod that you used to separate the waters. Take that rod, take that staff. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and the water shall come out of it that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. So everything that he did before was with the staff. Even whenever he brought water out of the rock, it was with the staff. Now, in that case, in the book of Numbers, chapter 20, God tells him, speak to the rock. It's, it's almost like that didn't even register for Moses. Because like, he's programmed. There's only one way to get the job done with the staff. Like, the staff is a part of my arm. So I was like an extension of Moses. And everything he does is with this staff. So it's almost like he didn't even hear God telling him, just speak to the rock this time. And of course, because that didn't register with Moses, he struck the rock. He struck the rock twice. He disobeyed God. And you know what that led to, because it, it didn't go well for Moses. But a lot of times, we're just like Moses. A lot of times, we're doing the same thing over and over again. And maybe it's working. That's fine. And that's why we have these habits. And that's great. We should have a good routine, a good life of habits and routines that we follow. But one day, God comes along and He says, I'm going to deal with this problem in a radical way, in a different way, in a way you least expect. And for Moses, it was almost counterintuitive. What do you mean, speak to the rock? Like, is my staff useless now? It's almost like he's thinking, did you forget what my staff was able to do before? But of course, God had a reason for dealing with him differently. And if you look at the scriptures, Christ models this for us. The way he dealt with everybody is in a diverse way. is in such a unique way. Just read the scriptures and see how Christ healed everybody that he encountered. You'll never see the exact same protocol. When, when he heals one of the, the two blind men. For example, there's the blind man in Mark 8 and the blind man next week in John 9. And the, and the, and the blind man in Mark 8, he heals him in like two different steps in healing the blind man in John 9 which is next week he spits on the ground and then makes clay and then he anoints his eyes it's just like one time and then he says go wash in the pool of Siloam 
in, in the first case in Mark 8, he actually spits on his eyes. <laughs> and then he touches his eyes. A lot of times, he just gives somebody an instruction, a command. A lot of time, he tells them to do something first in order to go and to be healed. Even in the case of raising the dead, in the three accounts that we have, we have the daughter of Jairus, the son of the widow of Nain, and then Lazarus. Every one of them is totally different. And the exact same case, because they're all dead. But in the, the daughter of Jairus, he just tells her a word. Talitha kumi. That's it. In the son of the widow of Nain, he goes and he touches the coffin first, and then he tells him, young man, I say to you, arise. And in Lazarus, he says his beautiful prayer first. And then he tells him, Lazarus, come forth. There's something unique in the way that he deals with everyone that he heals. It's not like God is programmed in this set protocol, and he deals with us in this unique way as well. And what Christ was doing as he walked on earth is to reveal the mind of God, to reveal the nature of God. And this is how God dealt with his people all along. Think about how God brought his people through the Red Sea and how God brought his people through the Jordan River. Whenever they crossed the Red Sea, Exodus 14, 21 and 22, the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea into dry land and the waters were divided. They were divided in two. So the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on the dry ground and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Okay, so you see that he separated the water so that there were two bodies of water one on the right and the left. And he did this through this slow, gradual process. A lot of times we think that Moses just went with his staff and he just lifted his staff and then it was just like magic. In a moment, the waters were split. This was a process that happened gradually throughout the night. All night, he sent an east wind and then it slowly, gradually separated the water. All right, whenever they went to cross the Jordan River, another body of water. It's, it's a totally different situation, even though it's another body of water. In Joshua three fifteen and 16, when the feet of the priests who bore the ark dipped in the edge of the water, so as soon as their feet touched the edge of the water, the waters which came down from upstream stood still, and rose in a heap very far away. So the waters that went down into the sea of the Arabah, the salt sea, failed and were cut off. And the people crossed over opposite Jericho. So in here, the body of water was just suspended on one side because the Jordan River flows from upstream. And this happened almost momentarily. As soon as they put their feet in the water. It's, it's just beautiful to see how they both have similar situations, but God solved this problem in a completely different way. 
A lot of times, we are, are stuck in expecting God to, to fit our narrative or to fit what we expect Him to do. And there's no set protocol for God. And I learned this personally in, in my own life. I remember when I was in college, I might have shared this with you before, but I met someone in college that I just started to talk to and we would hang out. She was a girl that didn't really know God or just thought that He existed, but didn't really have a relationship with Him. She was almost like agnostic. But anyways, we started to talk about life, and little by little, she, um, she started to get more curious about God. And before you know it, she came to believe in God and, and really accepted God as, as a reality in her life. And she wanted to be Christian, and it just totally changed within like, our whole conversation. Now, I remember... Literally like a day after we had this conversation about how she finally does believe in God and that she wants to be Christian, she, she called me and she had like a concerned tone in her voice. And she's telling me, you know, like they, um, they found something in some of my lab work because I, um, I was having some pain and some bleeding and like I was really concerned and uh, I have to go get some more tests done. So pray for me. I, you know, I, I know God exists. I know that prayer works. And uh, like, I, I'm sure it'll be fine. I have faith it'll be fine. So I'm like, okay, like, this is <laughs> kind of strange as soon as she really started to believe in God. But anyway, she went to go get more tests done. And then a couple of days later, she calls me back. And she is crying. And I'm like, oh no. It's pretty much what I expected. So she tells me that they found cancer in her body. And then I'm thinking the moment she tells me this, like, really God? She just gave her life to you? You'd expect that you'd open some doors? You'd expect to... You just give her a little nudge of, of comfort and hope to really hold on to you. And now this, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? And then we start to talk and I thought, I, I don't know what to say. I'm sorry, I'll be praying. She said, actually, I know that this came from God. I'm so glad that this happened because I was beginning to wonder if my faith in God was actually real and I needed this I needed this to hold on to God a little tighter and I was like well didn't see that coming <laughs> it was just beautiful because it's the, the last thing I expected God to do but in his wisdom he knows how to direct our path to heal our infirmities in ways we don't expect but in ways that transcend our mind and, and, and they actually help us to hold on to Him and to develop a deeper relationship with Him. That's the objective of all of His work in our life. Isaiah 58 verses 8 and 9, He says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, 
nor are your ways my ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. See, God is like a skilled physician. He knows how to use his remedies, the medicines that he has, in various ways. And he gives us exactly what we need in his love and in his wisdom. That's why we just need to trust. Whatever he's doing in our life is for the best. Even if we don't expect it, it's for, for the best. And the objective of all of this is to broaden our mind so that we're ready to receive whatever medicine he gives us. Imagine if this paralytic said, what do you mean take up your bed and walk? That's nonsense. I need someone to actually take me to the water. What if he was close-minded? What if he ignored this instruction to take up his bed and walk? He would have been sitting there in the same miserable condition. In a sense, he just trusted to try something new. I'm not telling you to just go explore and try whatever the world tells you, but to actually listen to what God is telling you, to pray a little more, to try fasting a little more, to try loving a little more, to try forgiving a little more. And when you try these spiritual ways that might oppose our logic, your life changes. So we need to trust. I'll leave you with this simple example. Father Tadris Malti was talking about this young girl that came to him with some problems she was dealing with. She didn't know what to do. So he heard what she told him and he says, okay, it seems pretty clear. This is exactly what you have to do. And he said, do this and this and this. Made it very clear. She said, okay, that sounds great. And she walked away. And then the days passed on and he actually forgot all about her and doesn't even remember what the problem was about. But then he saw her a little bit later and then it all came back to mind. He's like, oh, wait, you didn't tell me about what happened. Like, fill me in. And he says, Abuna, I did exactly what you told me. I did this and this and this. But strangely enough, what she was explaining to him was the exact opposite of what he told her to do. <laughs> but she says, you know, this is what I did. And you wouldn't believe it. Everything is perfect now. Everything is great. Everything worked out exactly like you said it would work out. And Abuna was explaining to say, she did the exact opposite of what I told her. Because God was guiding her in a way that surpassed my own logic. See, even in our relationship with our elders, a lot of us doubt. A lot of us just want to do it our own way. And we forget that God is the one managing our lives. Not me as a priest, not each other as friends, as good as our intentions may be. We're all frail, we all have our limitations. But God is the one directing our life. And if we just commit to Him, we just give Him a chance, just like this paralytic man gave Him a chance, say, okay, I'll try that. Take up your bed and walk, sounds good, I'll do it. And he actually walked. I pray that we give God a chance in that way, that we trust in Him, 
that his name may be glorified forever. Amen.